Welcome to the Adversity Psychologist podcast, a podcast incorporating narratives about facing and navigating adversity, a mixture of people, their experiences and professional psychological discussion. I'm Dr. Tara Quintarillo. I'm a qualified and regulated psychologist with over 20 years experience of mental health, disability and human behaviour. I want to share people's stories of navigating adversity in the hope that through being heard, a dose of compassion and some understanding, we can help others in the face of adversity too. Hi and welcome to the Adversity Psychologist Podcast. I'm Dr. Tara Quintarillo and oh, super exciting this morning. I have Dr. Eleanor Chatburn with me. I'm going to let her introduce herself and tell us a little bit about who she is and what's brought her on today. Good morning. Morning. Thank you so much for having me because I've been following your podcast for a while. And I think it's fantastic to have clinical psychologists leading podcasts because we need to get more mental health information out there. So this is very exciting. So yeah, I am a clinical psychologist as well. um, And I work with children and young people. um, And I'm particularly interested in supporting people who have skin conditions or skin concerns. I have I wear a number of hats I'm also a researcher and a lecturer and I'm based at the University of East Anglia as well so you have many hats don't you many strings to your bow we try so, and I've very, right? very recently moved into trying to do a bit of kind of sharing information about mental health online so yes a toe on Instagram doing things like this but um learning as I go and getting yourself out there and a podcast is a really good way to do that and we're going to get so much information from you today <laughs> so it's a win-win and so. because um, you're an ambassador for the British Skin Foundation as well you have all sorts of things that you do very interesting I looked you up <laughs> I made sure I did my my research on what you do because I just think people need to hear about you so if they haven't already they certainly will by the end of today and we'll also put in the show notes how people can find you what you're doing um so that people can connect and, and find out more about your a, your clinical work, but also the other things that you're involved in as well. So are you comfortable telling us? So obviously your area is working with skin conditions. You're the ambassador for the British Skin Foundation. But what kind of led you into specialising in that area? You know, it's a really good question because colleagues have said, oh, this is really niche, like skin conditions. But actually, you know what? The the work I do with people with skin conditions, and it's at all ages, young people and adults, it touches on all aspects of our well-being yeah and and I think well you asked firstly how I got into it I don't think I ever would have thought of it if I hadn't have been through my own journey with having chronic skin conditions which really started back when I was 12 when I developed um, chronic cystic acne that just progressively got worse because it wasn't correctly um, medically managed until it was really severe by my sort of mid-teens and it was scarring and I was skin picking and I still hadn't seen a dermatologist um yeah and at that point it really had impacted my self-esteem my whole well-being and I had developed signs of social anxiety so I wasn't really looking people in the eye I was hiding my face with my hair I was supposed to wear glasses, right, because I'm quite short-sighted. But I came to associate wearing my glasses with seeing my acne, because, of course, when you put them on, you look in the mirror, everything comes into yes, sharp focus. of course, yeah. So I developed a coping strategy, which seems a bit illogical now. It's a bit funny, really, but I, I just wouldn't wear my glasses. So I'd be sat in lessons, squinting to see the whiteboard, 
or I'd be sat, you know, in the canteen and I wouldn't even see my friends when they walked in because I didn't want to wear my glasses. So I'm sure I probably, with hindsight, came across as a bit awkward, a bit like, was Eleanor sitting on her own with her head down, covered by her hair? So it was also yeah. probably isolating me a bit, making me seem a bit awkward, as we know strategies that people use when they are socially anxious do. Um, yes. So it was making me feel even worse. I got really low. Um, eventually I did see a dermatologist and um, my acne was um, correctly treated and it was well managed. But it came back again in my mid-twenties, as it can do. And that was difficult too, because there are narratives there around, well, acne is a teenage spots thing. You're not supposed yes. to have acne when you're yeah. older. And I had to go back through treatment. But, you know, I think I, I think it's really hard. And I don't want to just talk about acne today because there are so many skin conditions and some people live with really severe lifelong skin problems. Some people it's more common problems. And again, there's a whole spectrum of severity. Yes. You know, mild acne to severe acne that's scarring. Um, and I, I really don't want to sort of take away from anyone's experience. But what it has shown me is that, and then the research bears this out, actually, is that you can never make an assumption what's going on for someone based on how severe their skin looks to you. Yeah. Really um, good point. There, there are people with, you know, congenital severe skin disease who their quality of life is pretty good. Like, you know, they've, they've, they're getting on well with life. And there are people with what to you and I might look like, say, mild rosacea, mild acne. They're really disabled and debilitated by it. Because it's what, as, as we all know, as psychologists, it all comes down to the meaning and what it means for the person. Um, so that's really something I've picked up sort of from my own experience, but also from the, the patients and the people I've been working with, that you really can never make an assumption so many good points there because actually I'm even thinking just the, the kind of terminology around skin condition what are people listening to this thinking that includes and I'm wondering whether you know most people will think well it must be things like severe acne but there is such a, a huge range of different types of skin conditions oh, yes. and also as you say then the severity doesn't always match what the person's internal experience is that maybe you know, that role of our presumptions as well are you right to talk about I'm just wondering if it would be helpful for mm -hmm. listeners to kind of talk about different types of skin conditions that you might see in your yeah. work it's such a good question because um I did see a statistic recently that something like possibly even up to a third of GP appointments a quarter to a third of GP appointments are skin related it was something like that really Gosh, this is how common skin problems are I mean if you think yeah. about just during covid a lot yeah. of us developed dermatitis or eczema related problems with our hands from hand we washing. Did. Yes. Um, yeah. so, you know, or allergic responses that we get. So skin problems are incredibly common. Yeah. Um, like you say, it's a spectrum. Some people, it'll be more transient. They just need a bit of treatment and yes. they're kind of on their way again. Others, it's more of a kind of chronic recurring problem. Um, and so we're talking sort of common skin conditions we're thinking things like acne rosacea psoriasis eczema um, yes. vitiligo but there's also um, more chronic more severe conditions rarer skin conditions such as ichthyosis that people get when they're much much younger and I think it's important that we recognize that some skin conditions are not treatable in are not curable rather yes yeah you know there's, there's often a message you know, with some of the stuff we see that, that's marketed towards us, that we can uh, fix our yes. skin. 
yeah. get perfect skin. And some people, the reality is it's more for them about learning to live with their skin condition and to manage it. Yes. Other people, they can maybe get what's called what we would say is better control of their condition. So I'm, I'm thinking then more about the sort of more inflammatory skin conditions. Yeah. Psoriasis, yeah. Ac acne as well, actually, eczema, rosacea, they're all inflammatory. So they tend to kind of wax and wane. Yeah. And they also tend to be have certain triggers that are quite specific to the individual. And over time, you get to become an expert in, in your skin condition and what your triggers are. So people learn to try and minimise those triggers and then they learn what sort of skincare routines and medications work for them. But it's also a process of accepting that you can't avoid all triggers because you need to still live your life. Absolutely. So I think there's so many things you just said there, but one thing that really stood out to me is just helping people just maybe rethink how they see skin conditions. That they are, mm. I, I think, and I'm just thinking for myself, actually, when I was growing up, you know, acne, eczema at times that you don't know when it's going to come when it's going to get better you're bombarded with adverts fix it get rid of it but trying to move away from that model that some there might be some as you say temporary or transient skin conditions where they might completely go but actually for most people it's not about that it's about maybe trying to manage it understand it mm. empowering you to do that but also perhaps how they then communicate that to other people i'm just wondering you know, psychologically what can the impact be of having some of these longer-term yeah. skin conditions, you know, and and physically, emotionally, the oh, link between hugely. the two, and like you said, emotionally and and socially. So we're, we're social beings, and yes. the thing about skin conditions is a, a good proportion of them are quite visible, so they may affect areas of yes. the body quite hard to conceal. So we're talking face, hands, chest. Um, you know, also thinking about your gender or your cultural context in some areas some context you will be able to cover up areas of the body other areas yeah. less so yeah. so again the research indicates that it doesn't necessarily mean where the skin condition is located that's associated with the distress yes. because so, so i might i mean talk about visibility today but i'm also keen to acknowledge conditions that affect sort of the back the torso the buttocks the groin yes. where there's heavy stigma associated yes. with having problems in that area and there's a lot of shame that people carry that's what we wanted to bring in yeah are you comfortable sharing a little bit about what you kind of work with or some of the mm. research around that stigma that shame and how people can be supported to to deal with that i i think firstly just just getting people through the door to have a therapeutic conversation is massive because yes a lot of these skin conditions that we're talking about the groin now yeah people don't even ask for help so i was talking to a dermatologist just um two days ago at the uh, annual conference of the british association of dermatologists and we were talking about a condition called um hydronitis suppurativa hs which many people won't have heard of but it's actually very common and okay. it causes lesions and abscesses in areas where the skin sort of rubs and folds so yes. we're talking armpits groins yeah. buttocks etc um but a lot of people never come forward for help they just suffer in silence Gosh, so yeah. just and I, and I actually have mild hs myself I, I developed it in my teens and i'm very lucky i have one of the milder forms yes. it's still it's still unpleasant 
And firstly, I mean, even before we talk about this psychologically, getting people to see a medical profession professional is yeah. so important because like you say, people are struggling on their own. They may be getting messages, I'm dirty, I'm unhygienic. Yes. You know, this is something, or often people sort of think, oh, it's because I'm overweight or my diet. And actually there is a certain genetic vulnerability, I understand, yeah. to HS, and it tends to go hand in hand with other conditions such as acne, and they're not quite sure why. Um, so people don't seek help. But also when they do seek help, I think we need to encourage people to go and see someone who can give them space to just take stock of actually what the impact has been on them. Because I'm yes. also aware that these medical appointments are so brief. GP these days, what is it? Is it, I've forgotten, is it seven, eight minutes? I think it's like seven minutes, isn't it? Yeah, which I don't know if that's changed because that was pre-pandemic as well. And so it's it's very brief. And even if you get to see a consultant dermatologist and you get referred by your GP, my understanding is that, again, is, is a pretty brief appointment. And obviously it's understandable you'll focus on the medical management. Well, I was just wondering that, how many are even having discussions about the possibility? Well, I, I think I, I do work a lot with, with um, dermatology colleagues and people that they really are kind of tuning in to the importance of asking questions around you know tell me about how your skin condition and just any skin condition now impacts your quality of life yes. how how much yes. does it bother you how much does it distress you I think they're getting better at doing that the next Good. step is thinking about what they then do if they have concerns that someone is distressed who they then refer on to I was going to ask um, that, yeah. Yeah. So, so in the last kind of 10 years, there's been some really good improvements in commissioning of specialist psychology services with that sit within dermatology yes. services. Right, um, okay. They're called psychodermatology, as you might. I like that. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, and that can be across both adult and child um, dermatology in England. Okay. yeah. So this will be where you have specially trained clinical psychologists, but also you might have psychiatrists who will run joint clinics with dermatologists okay. to do assessments. Um, now, I'm afraid the downside is that we've got a bit of a postcode lottery at the moment. Um, so, for example, there's a number of centres of excellence for psychodermatology in places like um, London and a couple of other spots around England. But... Okay. My understanding is almost nothing in Scotland or Wales and certainly large patches of England are, there's nothing. So I live in Cambridge. There's nothing uh, at Adam Brooks Hospital that's currently commissioned. So that means that dermatologists there, it's it's less clear when they can who to refer to. They'll be referring more just to generic mental health support, um, the low intensity mental health services, yeah. um, which might be enough for some people. And this is the key thing. I don't want to say everyone needs highly specialist one-on-one -on -one yeah, time for the clinical psychologist. Yes, yeah. I think a lot of people, they might just want to have a supportive conversation with a trusted friend. Yeah. Or a, uh, there are some fantastic patient support charities out there for particular skin conditions who run patient support groups. Some run kind of telephone lines, um, you know online groups really there's a wealth of material and if you go to the british association of dermatologists um website and google patient support groups there's a whole list of like 30 or 40 different groups um and i think for some people you know that's enough 
just connecting with others who are going through something similar and sharing tips. Yes, yeah. I, I don't think everyone needs to go into therapy. You've answered so many questions that I had. This is fantastic. Because, you know, as psychologists, obviously working in private practice myself, not everyone can afford to pay and has the means to do that or has health insurance. For some of us who've come from an NHS background, that never sits 100% with me, you know, that people have to be able to pay to come to see you. So I always think it's really great, A, to look at how can people get fair access, but at the same time, not presuming that people need to see a psychologist or a, or a specialist, um, that sometimes, you know, there are, there are kind of layers to what people need to access and how they access it so I think that's great and what I will make sure is that I put this in the show notes for people as well because we know what's easier is I'm when I listen to a podcast I'm not going to go and suddenly start typing something into the internet but if there's a link I'll click on it um so it just makes it easier for people but knowing a there's something then about autonomy isn't there so you need to be informed so knowing what's out there so if you know from more specialist one-on-one type work right down to kind of just talking to significant others but knowing what your choices are and being educated around that I think yeah I think giving like you say choice because I think one of the things that's coming through a lot with the work I'm doing with the charity the British Skin Foundation who are fantastic they're the leading uk charity that they fund a lot of skin disease research Uh, and they also raise awareness and this year they're doing a big focus on the psychological aspects um and psychological and social aspects of skin conditions right okay so they've been talking about this a lot and um actually it's been an absolute pleasure to be involved in a number of things they've been putting together they've filmed a, a new feature which is fronted by the presenter Louise Minchin, where they've interviewed people with lived experience and a couple of experts like myself and dermatology colleagues, just to actually almost hold up a mirror and say, this is how a skin condition can impact you. Because I think it's it's quite fundamental for some people yeah. that they'll say, I hadn't really realized that this was a thing and actually I'm not the only one. And I've, yeah. I've read some heartbreaking comments some of the content I've been posting online about skin conditions on my Instagram, somebody said, it wasn't until I saw your post that I realized that it's normal to feel distressed about my skin and there wasn't anything wrong with me. Because for years I was made to feel like it was just, I was weak. I didn't try hard enough. I was sensitive, I was vain. Yeah, yeah. And that is just so heartbreaking to hear and it I think really that's is. why we need to get this message out there that just firstly, just to simply say, this is the whole impact of having a skin condition. We need to think holistically. Let's not just talk about the medical, physical impact. And we do need to acknowledge some skin conditions, they're painful, they're sore, they weep, they need dressing, they need very yes. specialist skin cl- cleansing and um cream routines and that in itself is burdensome it takes time it's got financial implications it's exhausting i'm not so let's not take away from that but let's also think about what it does to people's self-esteem their self-worth their relationships their dating their sex life their work life school it's it's not just it, it you know our skin is our biggest organ in the body so any disease that affects it it's understandable what's going to affect all aspects of life i think we really need to get that message out there yeah 
that I always wonder whether skin gets a rough ride as this kind of just oh it doesn't matter you know dismissive you know mm. people that I'm just thinking personally people that I know that have eczema and I just think you know what hot weather suddenly like really cold weather how their emotions can sometimes impact their eczema there's so much to consider um but I, I don't I'm sure people just don't seem to see that in the same way as if somebody had something else physically wrong another condition no, no, it, and interesting isn't it because um you might think in a way well at least because it's visible people can see that it's there and believe it's there as opposed to an yes yeah yeah illness but what often seems to happen is that people feel that their concerns are dismissed as trivial because they're just you know aesthetic they're just oh they're being vain it's it's just yes. you know judgment really isn't there um yeah. and i think that's based on firstly a misunderstanding of the fact that skin disease is painful and burdensome and all those things we've just been talking yes. about yeah said. people are quite ignorant um the general public i mean are, are quite ignorant yeah. of that but also that they don't understand what it is like to live with um you know a visible skin condition and, and to be told they're just being vain when they're worried about it and how so it's validating isn't it? that stigma and yeah. that shame that then what happens is you know you will know from the people you work with is when we're stigmatized and shamed we tend to then internalize that shame and yeah. think there's something wrong with us as a person it's a big thing that's come out of this discussion already the kind of it's me it's my fault I've got it I'm not managing it if I am trying to manage it or talking about it with people it's me being vain um, it's really interesting it almost kind of comes across as a model of if you're doing something to support your skin that it's not managing it medically that it's unnecessary as you say it's aesthetic um and how can we it's indulgent yeah yes that's a really good word isn't it yeah that it's indulgent yeah. um and I'm just wondering, is there anything, what do you do to try and create a shift in society, people's views? <laughs> is, there a, is there a starting point? Anyone yeah. listening to this now, and that's part of what this podcast is about, is mm -hmm. learning people's experiences, but also about creating change. What can we do as listeners to this podcast to start to change that narrative? I think we all have a role to play. I mean, listeners, I'd be astonished if, 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 you know, individuals listening haven't had some experience at some yeah. point in their life of some kind of skin problem, you know, and I think it's just tapping into that awareness and, and also, you know, your children, your children, have they got skin, your partner, your friends, you will know people who have skin problems and maybe just thinking, when was the last time I asked them what that was actually like for them? Yes. Just genuinely just an open question and just finding out actually what it's like and how it impacts them and I think we just need to have more sort of honest conversations and, and give people the space to voice what it's like um, but certainly we need to have a national conversation and this is why I think charities like the British Skin Foundation are doing such a fantastic job you know making this this new documentary and um, putting materials out there to raise awareness that it really is endemic, um, yeah. the distress that's caused by having skin problems, and also it's it's widespread. It, this isn't a you know um, a niche area. <laughs> this this is really, um, and I think it also taps into broader conversations about body image. 
where I think, you know, researchers, specialists in body image are increasingly saying body image distress and dissatisfaction is, is almost now the norm, unfortunately, in our society. And I think yeah. there's, a, there's a big overlap between being distressed about um, particularly visible skin conditions and this body image distress. And again, I know we're having more conversations now about, you know, fat phobia and, and body image and um, but we're not doing that about skin. And I think that all this body yeah. image discourse, it's still about body shape, weight and size. But we're not thinking about the other things that go into our body image, which is our skin and our hair and our nails. And there are conditions, medical yes. conditions that affect all of those things. There's so much that I think people are going to take away from today. But I think the one thing is just it's creating space to hear people as well. So there's things we can do to change the narrative. We can educate ourselves. But I'm wondering whether how, you know, how many people that know someone who, whether it's a skin condition or another physical health condition, might go into problem solving. What can I do for you? Which, you know, is lovely and, you know, you can mean well. But just that step before that, just hearing them, letting them talk yes. about. I love that question you said. What is it like? You know, what are you going yeah. through? and I think you're right there that like you say we go into this let me try and help you fix this mode yes. and this is when people with skin conditions say they're absolutely sick to the back teeth of unsolicited yeah. advice and I mean I've noticed it myself you'll see it in the comments and um, if you post anything showing any kind of skin condition well you know stop having dairy or why well you must be eating chocolate or you must be doing this or that or have you tried this random wellness product and I, I, I have people at school just randomly come up to me and suggest skincare lines, <laughs> kinds of things. Gosh. And it's, I think sometimes it's with good intention, sometimes it isn't. But again, I would just say to people, just just hold back, you know, notice that urge to try and fix it. And, and bear in mind that this person, if they've had a skin condition for a while, they know what works for them because believe you and me, they will have tried it. Um, and your advice isn't helpful you know just 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 take applause if you <laughs> we can prevent some more people giving well-intentioned but not very helpful advice I think that that's a that's a helpful shift I think that is a really important thing actually isn't it it's just allowing people you know we could be compassionate to ourselves we mean well we might think we're helping with problem solving suggesting that product but mm. seeing whether we can just and psychologists love this just lean into that I'm meaning well but I need to just hold back Yes. Um, and, and forgetting actually that's quite an easy thing to forget I think of, that actually that person that could be quite shaming blaming mm. actually could that could have an adverse effect on their emotional health and we to wouldn't, have yet another person saying yeah. try this do this haven't you thought of and I guess I'll just sort of ask well would would you say the same thing to someone who had chronic asthma or diabetes yeah would you wade in and be offering advice um I think what happens in the skincare space online is we now have a number of influencers who you know they they make money from giving advice on the basis of their experience like i tried this product it's yes. worked for me and i think that people have got used to this model now um yeah. and again i i'm just really cautious when i advise people who are engaging with social media that whilst there's some really good content out there that's normalizing skin problems you know there are acne positivity hashtags for example um please please hold in mind that you are the expert in your own skin and yes. just because someone else is recommending something you know it doesn't mean it's going to work for your skin type and color um 
so just just exercise caution um, with with any sort of forms of advice and if you can afford to or you're able to access to a dermatologist it really is um, such an important investment and I know it's hard to access for some people due to waiting lists but if you can just think of the money you will save on products you'll probably be buying that have been marketed yeah. and influenced um, by with false claims inflated claims at the least the, the worst least worst you're going to do is throw your money away on something that's nothing the worst you're going to do is you might actually make your skin worse you could sensitize it disrupt the skin barrier i actually gave myself mild rosacea because i was overusing skincare products right. so um i think pe people can become a bit more savvy about all this content that's being they've been bombarded with when they're online and if yeah. you can please please do go and see a medical expert a consultant dermatologist who will save you so much time and effort and upset with actually coming up with a tailor-made treatment program for you and then for some people it could be that in conjunction with their medical treatment they may benefit from seeing a mental health expert yeah. and with psychodermatology we tend to talk about both and you know that it, we're not saying stop your medical treatment but in addition yeah. maybe consider talking to someone about you know how upset you are about your skin you know, is it causing, is it getting in the way of you doing things you want to do in your life and you're reaching your goals? And then a clinical psychologist or, or you know, CBT therapist could help you move towards those goals. There's so much good advice there. So in terms of perhaps a little pathway then, uh, so if anyone listening to this who has, you know, been struggling with a skin condition, hasn't yet seen a medical professional, the kind of advice is, seek a medical professional go to a gp who can perhaps then let you know what's available in your area as you said you're talking a little bit about the postcode lottery but also you can then weigh up whether you want to pay privately for that what the, mm -hmm. the free nhs resources are in your area um but also Definitely whether GP. yeah yeah mm -hmm. so you can have that discussion with your gp um and presumably as well would you go to your gp to have a discussion about mental health support as well or are there any other avenues would, people can yeah. go down for that i really would encourage people to do that i i hope that they feel it they have a gp they have a trusted relationship yeah. with who they can voice those concerns and worries and just discuss what the options might be if you're not currently under the care of a dermatologist in a hospital the likelihood is that um you're probably best accessing support through the IAPT or the low intensity schemes that you can self-refer to, yeah. who can give you help um, with um, anxiety and low mood. And that might be enough for you. Um, also, yeah. it could be that you want to go and check out resources on the British Skin Foundation and other charities. Again, try some self-help approaches and that might be enough. It could be that then you want to talk with your GP about, right, how can I actually get referred to a dermatologist um there are criteria for that that you have to go through um or is it is it worth me thinking about do i have the funds to self-fund seeing um seeing a specialist at this stage so it's you know it is a process i think people have to go through but yeah. i would i would encourage people just to talk talk to a friend or a loved one and just think about actually you know maybe they'd like to come with you to the appointment if it's something you're concerned about um, but do take that first step in, in asking for help. That first step, it often seems massive, doesn't it? But um, 
particularly if you are i know there are some changes in how people are seeing gp especially since the pandemic but um you know you if you can and you do have that relationship if you don't mm. that can be just a small first step as well trying to maybe look at your gp surgery you look at the list of gps and who does specialize in what and it may be that there is someone that you feel you would be more comfortable talking to that or even perhaps has an interest in this area yeah, as well it's a good that's a really good point. I chose my current GP because they said they had a special interest in skin. Yeah. And they yeah. do some extra training. So that, that could be something to, yeah. to look out for as and well. And that's usually, isn't it, on most websites for your GPs? If not, you can ask. You can ask as well. Mm. Um, and the other thing as well that's really interesting, because you fairly recently, you started up, I still can't say it, psychodermatology clinic, haven't you? Is that something you're comfortable talking about so people can come and find you and find out more about yeah. it yeah so this this is as we said we're trying to increase the number the number of options for people so yeah. um this is a private um clinic that's based in a dermatology um skin laser and lifestyle clinic on harley street where my 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 colleague founded it she's called angeli marto she's one of the leading consultant dermatologists she's incredible and she had this vision for what she calls 360 degree dermatology wow. which is really placing the patient at the center and thinking about all aspects of their life so she I brought like in that. me as um, a clinical psychologist she also has a registered dietitian because some people it's important to think about their diet some people actually right. end up heavily restricting their diet because they're trying to reduce triggers but they can give themselves some eating uh, related difficulties yes, um, yeah. in the process. So it's important we think um, in the round. So I'm really, yeah, I'm just so excited to be able to offer this because I think there, there aren't enough options out there. Just what I am keen to do, though, is to keep campaigning to increase access for um, NHS patients across the UK. I believe that everyone has the right to access a specialist NHS dermatology service. So yeah. there are a number of us who've been campaigning on this. Um, there are some reports that went to, there was an all parliamentary party group on skin where who produced a number of reports recommending an increase in funding. We've got a way to go. But it's a start, isn't it? And a really good start as well. So I'll do make sure that I put that in the, the show notes as well. Um, but also, I think your Instagram is really interesting because you started to now, haven't you, move your work in kind of bringing skin, but then the kind of mental health impact. And you talk about that on your Instagram, which, again, is free and accessible for people, but they can also then find out more about you. What made you start kind of moving in that direction? What made you start your Instagram up? Yeah, I... I have stayed off Instagram for years because I just wasn't sure how can you make content that is helpful for the right people and, and you're not making content that's accidentally harmful or because yeah. we can't tailor the content. We can't tailor who reads it. So I really agonized about that for a long time. Um, and then I thought, well, let's just try something and see, get, let's get some feedback and see how it goes. Um, and actually, I realized that it, I think we just need to produce some content because the stuff that I saw on Instagram is mainly from non-health professionals. It's from a lot yeah. of people who are self-appointed. They'll call themselves things like skin experts or skin coaches. Um, they'll be offering non-evidence-based treatments. They'll be charging a lot of money for it. And there's a real scarcity of mental health clinicians talking about 
um, body image and talking about skin conditions. Mm. So I thought, actually, maybe it's a problem that I'm stand, standing back. Actually, maybe I do need to get stuck in and, and figure this out. So it's been, um, you know, it's <laughs> it's been a learning curve. <laughs> um, initially, I was quite hesitant to appear on camera because it's just not really my thing. But people have said, well, you know, to trust you, they have to see you. And then I thought, actually, you know what? The fact I have some personal experience of skin problems, still occasionally have some skin problems, it might help just to show people that they feel heard and, you know, yeah. that, that yeah. we're normal, that, though, you know, those of us who are working professionally in this field, we're normal people too. We also have real skin, <laughs> you know, like we have skin problems. So you'll see the last couple of posts I did, you know, I have done, you know, without makeup. I mean, I never use filters as a, as a principle or photo retouching. I do some makeup free ones as well, because I think we need to show that we're just normal people and um, try and undo some of this uh, toxic stuff that's going on social media at the moment with uh, excessive that. filter use. So I think it's, again, a lot of values tied in there. But also, I think it's there's so many elements. There's the fact you started to, well, just bring in, you know, body dysmorphia as well. Um, body image as mm -hmm. well as the kind of mental health implications of having a skin condition and just the human element that look here's a psychologist who also has some lived experience um kind of breaking down those barriers <laughs> that we yeah. are still people who experience and feel and I, I think that's we, so where can people find you where, where where is your instagram what's your tag so that people will put it so in the notes I'm, as well i'm at dr eleanor chapman i'm on instagram um and please do come and give me some feedback <laughs> on what I'm doing. I want to, I want to build up and there's some other projects, top secret projects that are in the works. So please exciting. do come and get involved. And your um, website for the clinic is um, www.selflondon.com, but I'll put all that in the show notes as well. Where else do you hang out? Is there anywhere else you hang out on social media or websites that you want people to be looking I am, at? Um, I'm a, I'm a more long-standing member of Twitter. Um, I'm uh, at Eleanor Chats at Twitter. I tend to talk more on Twitter about youth mental health, which okay. is um, with my research hat on, I'm really interested in um, helping young people get access to evidence-based mental health stuff. So I'm talking less about skin there, but if people are more interested in youth mental health, then um, yeah, feel free to, to come say hi to me on Twitter as well. And I'm thinking, oh, another episode somewhere there <laughs> as well. I've only done one podcast episode on um, teenage anxiety, um, but I'd like to cover some Ooh. other stuff around um, teenage mental health as well. So if you'd ever like to come maybe. back on, that could be brilliant. Um, so my little signature move then, I like to ask every guest. We've had so much brilliant information. Mm. There's one little adversity takeaway, one little nugget of advice that you could mm. leave us with. What would it be? I would say for anybody listening who's upset about their skin is to be kind to yourself because there's so much stigma and judgment out there that we can internalize that and come to believe there's something wrong with us. And there really isn't. You're doing the very best you can in a really difficult situation. Um, and that just trying to offer yourself some kindness and self-compassion can be really healing I love that <laughs> I really do I think that we go through so much as human beings and if you have an additional issue 
on top of everyday stuff we can give ourselves such a rough ride can't we so really kindness what a lovely way to end elena thank you so much it's really lovely to meet you and thanks, thanks for, so much for coming on and hopefully i'm gonna hold you and get you back again to talk about <laughs> young people and mental health as well thank you so much thanks bye Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Psychologist podcast. It's so lovely to have you here. I'm Dr. Tara Quintrarillo and you can find me at drtara.co.uk. You'll see everything I'm up to, free resources, my media work and my new COVID recovery clinic as well. Remember to please rate and review my podcast. It really helps people to benefit from the narratives of overcoming adversity if they know where to find us. The Adversity Psychologist podcast, helping you step at a time.